Good morning, good morning. Uh, a lot of our folk are still, sp- they're still spring breaking. A lot of our folk are still spring breaking this week, so uh, there's just a, a few of us, the faithful few. Um, let's just, let's just spend a moment praying. Hmm. Father, bless you, Lord. Father, I thank you that by your Spirit you are here with us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit you're moving amongst us. And Father, I pray this morning that we would allow ourselves to receive from you. Receive everything that you have for us today. Lord, if that is If we need peace in our hearts this morning, Lord, I pray that you would come and give us your peace. If we need rest in you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would come and give us rest. Lord, if we need wisdom this morning, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Father, if if we need to have forgiving hearts, I pray that you would give us your your grace and your mercy this morning. Father, will you reign in this place? Will you be glorified in this place today, Lord, in everything that we do? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, one of the great things about this word, the word that we have been focusing on at City View this year, uh, this word grow, is that I get to hear stories of how God has been working in your lives to help you grow. And also, uh, how you are seeing him work in others' lives as well. Jeff, if you remember, shared a couple of weeks ago about how he's seen growth happening in Open Table, how he's seen community happening, how he sees God moving at Open Table. Uh, I've also seen how our teens and our pre-teens have grown since we had uh, started our new uh, class, uh, the next generation, uh, and just seeing the excitement that they have, and, and they were going to be presenting uh, us something. Um, I just encourage you, if you have uh, something you would like to share with us, uh, particularly around the area of growth and growing, then please let me know, and we can uh, share that with the rest of us. Um, as some of you know, I'm not a good swimmer. In fact, I swim like a brick. I have the only body in the world that has no buoyancy. And so because of that, I'm not great with water. So if ever I go to a pool, I have to make sure that my feet can touch the bottom. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm in trouble. Uh, but you see, my fear of water brings much amusement to my family, and especially my wife, who swims like a fish. 
A few years ago, she took me, we went, we're in this pool, and she took it upon herself to teach me how to float on my back in the deep end. And I foolishly accepted the challenge. So she literally towed me into the area of water that was 10 foot deep. And I suddenly realized that I wasn't 11 feet tall because I tried to touch the bottom and I couldn't. And this was not cool and neither was my reaction as I grabbed my wife around the neck, fearing for my life. And she calmed me down and eventually she managed managed to turn me over and I was lying on my back and she was holding me underneath. I was still making small whimpering noises and warning her, you better not let me go. As I lay there looking up at the sky, seeing my life flash before me, a dreadful and fear-inducing question crossed my mind. Do I have faith in my wife? Do I trust my wife? That question was quickly answered as she let go and said, go on, float! (laughs) And wouldn't you know it? I didn't. (laughs) And And panic set in as I started to sink down towards a watery grave and my kids told me later that I performed a wonderful impression of a demented octopus in the water. For the next few weeks, we're going to look at the question, do we have faith in my wife? No, we're not. We're going <laughs> to look at the question, do we have faith in God? Can we put our trust in him. Can we trust him with our very lives? And if we can, how can we grow in that faith? How can we grow in that trust? As I uh, said last week, that this was the number one area that you said, and we said as a church, this is an area that we want to grow in the most. Grow in faith and grow in trust when we did our survey at the start of the year. And as I also mentioned last week, be careful what you wish for. You see, growing in faith is fantastic. It's a great goal to have, but we will not grow in faith by reading books about growing in faith. We will not grow in faith by listening to sermons about growing in faith. We will grow in faith By moving. We grow in faith requires action. Growing in faith happens as we walk with Jesus in our everyday life. And if you and I want to grow in faith, grow in trusting God more, well, I promise you that it will involve vulnerability. I promise you that it will involve stepping outside of our comfort zone. I promise you it will involve taking risks. 
And I'll promise you, as we looked at last week, that it will involve pain and suffering as part of growing. As God comes alongside us and, and helps us grow during those difficult times. And one of the ways uh, to learn about growing in faith is by looking at stories of people who have demonstrated faith, who have stepped out of their comfort zone. There's a fabulous chapter in, in the Bible, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that speaks of faith. It starts by telling you what faith is. It says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. And then it goes on to talk about folk in the Bible who have put that description into action. This chapter contains the Faith Hall of Fame. Not the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Faith Hall of Fame. It mentions lots of names. But there's one that I want to look at this Sunday and next Sunday. Here's what it says. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. And it's this story that I want us to focus on this morning. And to see in it how we can grow the same faith that Abraham had and grow it in our own lives. Do you want to turn with me to Genesis? Uh, if you've got a Bible, um, let's read. You can follow along uh, with me. Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 11. Read a few verses there and then we'll read a few in chapter 12. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscar. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to uh, Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died there in Haran. Chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household and go to the land I'll show you. Because I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all his possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Famous story, great story uh, when we look at it. And I know it's spring break this morning, but I want us to go back to school. We're going back to school this morning uh, because there are many lessons that we can learn from this passage about growing faith in our own lives, growing to trust God more. So, sit up straight. Don't touch the person next to you, otherwise you'll sit on your hands and feel, come and sit by the teacher. (laughs) And listen carefully because there's going to be a take-home test at the end. Okay, four things. Four things that we can learn about faith from this passage. The first one is our story is always a part of his story, of God's story. Each one of us have a place in the big story of life. We just need the faith to believe that we do. Let me give you a bit of background. In chapter 11, verse 27, we meet Abram's family. We meet his dad, Terah. Don't know a lot of, about him, but in the book of Joshua, we told that he worshipped false gods. In fact, he worshipped moon gods. He would have loved it this last week, wouldn't he? He's fabulous, these moons. And we're told that him and his family lived in the city of Ur. That doesn't sound great. It's almost as bad as Gravesend, isn't it? But Ur. They lived in Ur. Now, where was Ur? Well, Ur was in Babylon. Ur was in modern-day Iraq. The center of Babylon was Babel. And you remember the story about the Tower of Babel where everyone wanted to make their name great and forget God. So the family live in a pagan city pagan city. We then get to know about Abram's siblings and wider family, and they're a motley crew. You can read more about Lot and his salty wife later on in Sodom and the Gomorrah story. And we read that Abram had married Sarai. Now, Sarai means, that name means princess. Princess. Anytime a family names their daughter princess, you know there's going to be trouble. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no children. And this is the quintessential picture of hopelessness in Scripture. You see, having children at this time and in this culture was everything. However much money you had or cattle you had or friends you had meant absolutely nothing if you didn't have an heir. And his wife is old very old. She's no spring chicken, and so there's not much hope there. Take a moment. 
Here's Abraham, the great patriarch, perhaps the greatest man to live behind Jesus. Three major religions, Jew, Jewish, uh, Muslim, Christian religion, trace their beginnings back to Abraham. His name appears more than 300 times in, in Scripture, in the Bible. He's mentioned in 11 of the 27 books of the New Testament. He's mentioned in all four Gospels. He's mentioned frequently by Jesus himself. And he's in the great faith hall of fame in Hebrews 11. And where did he come from? A godless dad. A dysfunctional family living in a pagan city with a barren wife and no kids to take on the family name. If you're looking, if you're looking at his resume, you're thinking, the great patriarch? The person that is actually going to change the world? <laughs> so. But, you see... God had a plan and a purpose for Abraham's life. Abraham's story, even in the midst of this situation, was part of God's story. And all Abraham needed was the faith to believe it. Faith to believe that there's a bigger purpose. Which was hard because all I guess Abraham could see at the time was his difficult life. I came to faith when I was 21, and I believe God called me into ministry about a month after. He said, Trevor, I, I, I want you to pastor a church. 17 years later, I, I, I listened to him. But for that 17 years, I worked in a bank and it was great at times, but towards the end, it became really frustrating. Because I'm thinking, Lord, why am I here? Why am I doing stuff that I don't really believe in? I don't think he's actually making a difference to anyone's life. I'm going in, I'm, I'm uh, working from 7 in the morning to 7 at night. I don't really see my family that much. Why is this happening? And I used to come home, and Linda will, will tell you, I used to come home literally crying with frustration. But even then, even in the midst of all of that frustration, God was preparing me. I was still, my story was still in his story. However difficult. In Ephesians 2, 10, Paul describes us as God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you hear that? He has good works for each and every one of us that he's preparing us for. So I guess it begs the question, for what good works is God preparing you? Your answer right now could be, you know what, Trevor? I haven't a clue. I, I can't see it. I, I just see 
the difficulties. And it's true, you see, because God's purposes aren't always transparent at the time, are they? Moses. Moses probably had no idea why he was stuck in the desert for 40 years looking after sheep. Lord, (laughs) seriously? Joseph was probably thinking when his brothers stuck him in a, a pit and then sold him in slavery to Egypt. Oh, what on earth is happening here? And Abram and, and Sarai could scarcely have known what God had in store for them. You might not be able to see the bigger picture, but we need faith to believe that there is one when we're going through tough times or frustrating times. It's sometimes only with the benefit of hindsight that we're able to look back and see how God led us and prepared us. You know, when I look back now at my time, 17 years in the bank, all those frustrations, I think it's proved absolutely vital for what I do now. How to deal with people and situations. How to understand that each person is motivated in different ways. How people learn in different ways. It's also been important for me that I have a business background. I know what tomorrow morning looks like for you. I do. You don't know what tomorrow morning looks like for me because it's my day off. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) That's the great thing about Mondays now. I love it. But but if I didn't have that, how, how could I sit with you? When you, you go through tough times at work. And, and so I know that even my time now is preparing me for whatever God's got for me next. And the same for you. You see, and also like Abram, your history may not be perfect. Perhaps you had a bad upbringing. Family life was non-existent. You had illness. You had abuse. You had heartbreak. Don't let that hold you back from God's will for your life now. Don't let that become an excuse. I hear it all the time. Oh, Trevor, yeah, but I was just brought up that way. I can't do the things that God's asking me to do. I don't trust anyone. Don't let that become an excuse. It's all part of the preparation. Nothing is in your past is ever wasted. Nothing with God is ever, ever wasted. Nothing. Even if you're feeling lost at the moment, if you're feeling frustrated, and you don't know why you're going through a certain situation, which could be a really hard situation, remember the experiences in which you find yourself now may very well turn out to be what God's preparing you for the good works that he's preparing you for in the future. So, we can grow in faith by trusting that God has a plan, a good purpose for your life, uh, for you and your life. That's the first lesson. Second lesson we learn is don't settle and get comfortable. Look at verse 31. It's interesting that it was actually Abram's father, Terah, who first set out on the journey to Canaan. You notice that? They were heading to Canaan. 
But look what happened. They came to Haran and then they settled there. Haran was a lively, bustling, multicultural place. It stood on the banks of a river. It was about 880 kilometers from the town of Ur. So it was quite away from where they had come from. It's in present-day Turkey, close to the Syrian border. And it was at the crossroads of major uh, trade routes leading to Europe, Asia, and Africa. It was fertile. It was prosperous. People went there to visit or pass through and stayed. A bit like Vancouver. A bit like Vancouver. And that's what happened to Abram's family. They settled there. Was that where they were heading? They were called to go to Canaan. But they, you know, they traveled a long way. It seemed, oh, it's a lovely place. It's not too far away from Canaan. We're not that far away. You know, who would blame them? We'll just stay here for a while, and then we'll carry on. And they never did. They settled. They settled in Haran. Anyone done the hike to Joffrey Lake here? Any, anyone? Yeah, Andrea, you probably have. Joffrey Lake, it's the other side of Pemberton. Beautiful, beautiful. What people don't know is that there's actually three lakes there. And you get to the first lake. It's about, I don't know, maybe about 30 minutes walk from the parking lot. And it's, it's lovely. It's lovely. And you see a lot of people getting there and then staying there. I think, oh, this is really nice. We'll just sit back here. And, and then they go back to the parking lot. What they don't realize is that there's the middle lake. And that one's really lovely. That one's re- and a few more people get to that one. But then they get to that one and think, oh, you know what? This is so lovely. I've got the sandwich here. Let's sit and have our lunch here. And then they go back to the parking lot. But there's a third lake, the upper lake, which is probably about an hour and a half from the, it's not far, from the parking lot. And it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Those people who went to the lower lake never got to see that. Those people who got to the middle lake never got to see that. They've tasted a bit of the scenery and they think, oh, you know what, this is good enough. It's good enough. I wonder how many times we do the same thing. We have this big dream. We get started on our journey and then things get difficult. It proves a little bit longer and more difficult than we thought. And you know what, we stop. And we settle. We settle in Haran. Some place along the way where it's comfortable. We settle for good enough. That's right. I've mentioned to a lot of you before that I have a big fear in, in ministry and my walk with Jesus. And it's getting comfortable. I fear being comfortable. 
Um, we went when we went to India a, a couple of years ago now. It unsettled me. Going to India unsettled me in a good way. I came back restless because I realized that I had settled in Haran. I had settled for good enough. I was going through the motions. I could uh, do my job with my eyes closed and certainly without God's help. And that time in India where I was pushed outside of my comfort zone made me realize, wow, there's more to what God has for me. Don't settle. Don't fall into that trap. We are made for more than good enough. You know, things may get difficult. Stuff happens to get in the way of your God-given dreams and plans, but don't give up. Keep pursuing God. Keep pressing in on all that he has for you. Have faith that he will lead you to your promised land, whatever that might be. Whatever and wherever that may be, don't settle in Haran. So easy to get comfortable. So easy. Don't be comfortable. Push, push. Okay, Uh, so uh, the third lesson that we need to learn is believe the promises. Look in verse 1 of of chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. Okay, he says to Abraham, go, go. Not a lot of relationship building going on between God and Abram here. It's straight to the point. God is talking like a guy here. You know, it's just get the facts out and get off the phone. Whenever I call my parents and uh, my, my dad answers, I say, hey, dad, how are you? He says, good. Hang on, I'll just get your mother. I say, to mum, that's what's going on here. God's not real chatty. He just says, go. It's a command. It's not a request. The command is to leave, to go. Abraham was to leave the security he enjoyed, to follow God wherever he might leave him. And that sounds a bit tough, doesn't it? But listen, God never commands without promising. Say that again. God never commands without promising. What was the promise made to Abraham? Well, basically he says, uh, you're going to receive a blessing and then you're going to be a blessing. You're going to receive a blessing and then you're going to be a blessing. What is the blessing he receives? Well, basically it's God's plan for Abraham's life. I'm going to show you the big picture. He said, I'm going to bless you by making you and your offspring into a great nation. Which meant that his old barren wife was going to have a child. And that child was going to be a son, Isaac. And from Isaac, God would bring forth Jacob. And from the sons and grandsons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel would be formed. From one man, God created a great nation. And then he and his descendants 
will be a blessing because through his line, Jesus, the Savior of the world, would come and be born. God's saying, have faith in me and have faith in my promises. You see, faith and growing in faith anticipates that the promises of God will come true. No matter how long you have to fight for them, no, longer, uh, no matter how long you have to wait for them. It's one of the reasons why we must arm ourselves with all the promises of God that we see in Scripture. You might need right now the promise that Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. If you're feeling lost and alone, you need faith to believe that promise right now. You might need right now the promise of Jesus when he said, Come to me, all who are tired and worn out and weary from trying to live everyday life, and I will give you rest. Some of us may need the faith to believe that promise right now. You might need God's promise that he will guide you, that he will comfort you, that he will shelter you. You've got to have faith to believe in the promises that he makes. And God never commands without promising. Whenever he calls us to do something, he promises us something. You know, for Abram, he didn't receive a map through the post one day. There was no detailed program or itinerary, no title deeds to his inheritance in Canaan. Just God's promise. So often, so often in my life, God has said to ask me to do something, and I've sat back and waited and waited and waited, and he'll always say to me, Trevor, what are you doing? I said, well, I need you to take me there. And he's always said, Trevor, take the first step and I'll meet you there. The command, take the first step, the promise, I'll meet you there. Take, take this home with you. Fabulous. If you obey the command, you'll receive the promise. If you believe the promise, you'll obey the command. That's deep. Deep. You'll be thinking about that as you fall asleep tonight. Okay, we grow by faith by believing that our story is part of God's story. We grow by faith by not settling for good enough. And we grow in faith by believing in God's promises. Finally, we grow in faith by trusting, obeying, and going. So how did Abraham respond to this call from God? Oh, I don't know. What should we do? Let me think about it for a year or two. So Abraham went. <laughs> he went, as the Lord told him. Very matter of fact. Now, it doesn't tell us about his struggles or his doubts. I'm sure he had them. I'm sure he had them. But ultimately, he obeyed. He, it wasn't easy, but he chose to believe God and chose to follow. It was a conscious act. You see, faith not only believes there's a plan, not only believes in the promises, faith 
moves. Faith acts. Faith gets you off of your backside. It doesn't just twiddle its thumbs. If we really want to grow in our faith, we need to move. If we really want to grow in our faith and trust God more in our lives, then perhaps we just need to do something. And preferably something silly. And do it for God. Something outrageous for God. Something that on the surface looks really ridiculous. Think about it. Most of you know Ami. Little Ami. Little Ami. She'd never spoken in front of lots of people. Her English uh, is her second language. God told her to do something about loneliness in Vancouver. She started uh, an organization called Beyond the Conversation. She spoke at Missions Fest last year. She's spoken with politicians and mayors to get more support for these groups, which basically get all the lonely people just come to and chat and to connect with one another. There are, I believe, three or four of these groups now around the Lower Mainland. She's flying to Toronto shortly to set one up in Toronto. Little of me. Do something silly for God. Outrageous for God. Jeff and Kirsten, last year they came and we were chatting and uh, talked about doing Alpha in their home. And, uh, that's, gonna, that's a big commitment, doing Alpha. And I don't know, should we do it? And we were not really qualified to do it. I said, yeah, go and do it. Go and do it. Don't know who to invite, God will show you. People came to their house and did the Alpha course. Found out a couple of weeks ago, one of the ladies that came, uh, Wei Ping, who's been here at this church, uh, accepted Jesus two weeks ago. Because Jeff and Kirsten did something silly for God. Deirdre. Remember Deirdre who came up and did that? sort of little comedy act here. Uh, She's not with us today. Suffers from depression and anxiety. She sensed that God was telling her to go and learn to be a comedian. Go figure. She goes to a class, and then she goes to, is it Yuck Yucks, the comedy place in Vancouver, and she stands up and does a a 12-minute routine. And has people rolling around in the, in the aisle. Spoke to her on Thursday. She said, you know what? I'm really thinking that I want to do a TED Talk in Vancouver. I said, yes. Go do it. Go and do something silly that looks ridiculous for God. City View. We're a small church. Tiny church. You know what? Let's lead a summer kids camp without anyone's help 
and have over 100 kids here. <laughs> yeah, go and do it. And we did it. Because we do silly things for God. And we need teachers for the camp this year. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to do something silly and teach a hundred wild kids. <laughs> that's not a, probably a, a, not, not, not a good advert. <laughs> this building sits on three building lots in Vancouver. It's falling down. We're a small church. What are we going to do? Let's see if God's in this. Let's see if he's calling us to redevelop our land. Let's see if God is calling us to build some sort of affordable community housing here. Are you serious? Look at the size of us. Do something silly. Do something ridiculous. Do you really want to grow in faith? Do you? Do I? Well, then move. Move. Go. Say, Lord, the answer's yes. What do you want me to do? And do something silly. Have faith that your story right now is still part of God's story. Have faith to keep going, to keep pressing in for more of what God has for you. Don't settle. Don't get comfortable. Have faith that God will keep his promises, even though you can't see how they're going to be fulfilled. And have faith to go and move and do something silly for him. What struck you most about what God's been saying this morning? Capture it in your hearts. Identify with it. Which one of those lessons is he, you know, it's that painful moment where you know that God's spoken to you. And you, ah, oh, really? Do you want me to do that thing that you've been asking me to do, Lord? What is it? What's, what's he been saying to you? Unfortunately, a bit like Jonah, you can't run away. Embrace what God has for you. Have faith to believe it. Father, I thank you that you command us and yet you promise us. You never command without promising. Thank you that you're always with us. Thank you, Lord, that when we do step out, when we do take that first step, you always meet us there. And Lord, I pray that you'd give each of us here that bigger vision, that bigger vision of, of who you are and what you're calling us to. 
bigger than we can even think about. Even in the midst of our difficulties, Lord, help us to see that there is a purpose, there is a bigger picture to what's going on. And Lord, give us the courage to do something silly for you. Today, this week, this month, in our life. Thank you.